Okay guys, so hello and welcome to a new podcast episode. Today we are on episode 3 on the Red Card Podcast. Yep, um, if you want to follow this podcast, I do it every week on SoundCloud and iTunes. And basically, uh, yeah, and I'm going to be uploading a video on YouTube as well of, of this podcast. Um, sorry last week the video didn't come out, I'm going to... A link a video on YouTube today, uh, uh, a 10 second video to go to podcast on podcast 3 on iTunes and SoundCloud. And yeah, and then I'm gonna upload this podcast. Plus, whoever was talking about the Venezia, uh, the Venezia career mode on FIFA 18, it will be up tomorrow. I guarantee it will be up, okay? So, um, let's begin. Today I've got three, uh, Three sort of big news. Um, so the last podcast I did, uh, Roy Hodgson didn't get the, Ingl- the Palace job, I think. So I got to talk about that. Aguero getting a car crash. I definitely didn't talk about that because that happened two days ago. And the new Wafer Nations League format. So we're going to be starting about Roy Hodgson getting the Palace job. Now give me a second. Uh, that should be a bit louder, I think, yeah. So, Roy Hudson got the Palace job uh, about two weeks ago. Um, so, played the first, so, uh, not two weeks ago, maybe three, I think three weeks ago. Um, lost the first game. I don't know who who to, but they lost the, the first game. Now, then got batted uh, 5-0 to... <coughs> um, to City and and United battered them 4-0 yesterday as well at Old Trafford. Now, was this the right move? I cannot say. Um, he did get uh, big games at the beginning of the season, three, and next week he's got the week after the international break, he's got Chelsea. I mean... Um... I don't know. It's it's not right. It's not looking good for Palace now. They still got the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup to look forward to, but if they'll get drawn with a good with a good team, they'll get knocked out immediately. Um, but the comments that Roy Hodgson is saying are are laughable. I think they're laughable. Um, so Hodgson said yesterday after the game. Palace like a boxer fighting in the wrong weight class. So, that means that he has sort of thrown an Easter egg. I'm, I'm going to say an Easter egg. And said that Palace are not fit for the Premier League. So, I mean, that's a good way to start um, motivating your team, right? Um, it's, it's a bit embarrassing from... Hudson to use that comment. I would never use any comment like that with a team. Let's go to the top story of the BBC. Uh, Roy Hodgson, Gristle Palace, like an outclassed boxer. So, we took blows to the chin, got knocked down, but we didn't stay on the canvas. We tried to get up as best as we could, added Palace boss. Hudson. The Eagles have lost their first seven games this season and they haven't scored a goal. That's also something that's uh, starting to look a bit bad for the ex-England coach. It's 
the worst start ever by an England team in the top four divisions of professional football in England. So yeah, they broke a record basically yesterday. So former England striker Alan Shearer on match of today has said, I know that there is a complete lack of confidence for Crystal Palace at the moment, but some players are scared of their own shadows. It is it is lack of effort too. Marwan Fellaini travelled 40 yards unchallenged for United's second goal. How on earth can you score without men in the box at one stage? They have four or five players standing on the edge of the box, not wanting to go in there, not wanting to score goals. They have to work harder, they cannot just give up. You can accept the lack of effort. The lack of effort. Some players are not working hard enough. It's it is looking bleak for them. Roy Hodgson has a hell of a job on his hands, and I I think I'll go, I'll got to agree with Alan Shearer there. Um, if you see Fellaini's second goal, he was totally off. He was totally onside. Sorry. Um, but Palace didn't even jump for the ball. They just let Fellaini go, hit it in. Like, and the worst one was the Lukaku goal. The Lukaku goal, I think, that was the most embarrassing of them all. No, what I mean, Lukaku has scored now nine in nine. Nine in nine Premier League matches. So, you can't tell me that you got to be on a sharp eye on Lukaku. No, just leave him open and he'll just bar- bury that in the net. So, I think Palace in general have a lot to do. Um, it, it, that's definite. They've got a lot to do if they want to improve. If they don't want to improve, they just can't keep it like this. They, we can see how much the record uh, goes. Yeah, it's, it's embarrassing for them. It's embarrassing for them, I think. Um, Lukaku scores 9-9 right now um, with champions and everything in... In the league, he scored 7-7, seven and seven. so good enough, I think. I just wanted to put that out there. I'm going to keep talking about Roy Hudson. So, I said he... I'm not sure about him. When I, I laughed when he got to be the coach uh, of Crystal Palace. I said they, they certainly had no one better than, than the ball, and they put Roy Hudson in there. It was a bit embarrassing for them. I thought... For a second there, I thought Sam Allardyce would have got in charge with the boss. I think it's a possibility this year that Crystal Palace will be one of the first teams in a few years that where they will have three managers in a season, I think. And if some things go wrong, they could be the first team to ever have four managers in a season. It's the, it depends how the, the pendulum is going to work. But they've got to find that manager, but can they find that... That can they find that form with this manager? I mean, obviously he's going to win a game. He's not going to go the whole season without winning a game. That would be just embarrassing for Roy Hudson. Um, if he goes the whole season without winning a game and not get sacked, he'll get sacked for sure. But if he, I don't know, gets sacked, like if he gets six games and loses all six, Get sacked, replaced by another manager, loses three more games and maybe draw one. So first result, they'll get their hopes up, uh, lose two more, get sacked. Um, fourth manager at the end of the season. Yeah, it's it's a pendulum basically. It's it's the same effect that will happen. Palace got to stick with one man, give leave it to the end of the season. Even though you made the wrong choice, it's your fault. The ball got sacked. 
after three months, which was embarrassing for Palace, they should have kept them, Kim kept him a bit more after this three games, and then just fire up. Um, and if like he should have been sacked two weeks late, the in the next two weeks, that's where he got should have been sacked the ball because of the what do you call it? Because of this patch of running games. But yeah, Palace did lose against some minor teams, which I've got to agree on. But I mean, a manager is not gonna go in to a team and start winning game after game. So. I think that's embarrassing for them. So, uh, this is something I saw as well yesterday. Palace played a 4-6-0. Now, how did they play a 4-6-0? Four at the back, six in midfield, and none players up front. Yep, this is a system that they actually played. And Roy Hudson... Um, nearly agreed with it. So, four at the back, six in the middle, and none up front. That's how they've played. Sorry, I just woke up. That's how they played yesterday. Four, six, zero. They had none up front. They weren't attacking at all. And when they got that ball from attack, it was a midfield player that got the ball. He shot and sent it God knows where. So, yeah, that's a bad system for Palace right now. And they should improve that ASAP because it's not looking very positive for them if they keep playing this system, if they keep playing this attack. They should just lock out at the back. I mean, they're home next game. I don't care if they're home. If I was the Palace manager right now, I'd lock up at the back and not move at all. Yeah, that would be my mentality. Lock up at the back even at home. Try and push on the point. If I get a point to Chelsea, it will be a miraculous start. Maybe then, in the next game, grab another point, get two points on the bounce, then push on. Start winning games. Get the ball. Um, get the ball. Try and push on from defence. Turn to the Leicester of two years ago. Counter-attack, counter-attack, counter-attack. Just try and do that when you win the ball and try and get the men forward. Um, when Zaha gets out of injury and Benteke, if you work with that system, I think it will, could work on them. With Liverpool, it didn't work out because they didn't play counter-attacking football. But Benteke maybe be born for counter-attack football. So, it could work out perfectly. So, enough of the Roy Hudson story. We're going to go to the Aguero car crash now. Um, yeah, Aguero crashed his, not crashed his car, basically uh, the taxi driver in Holland crashed a car, even though Aguero told him not to drive because, like, yeah. So, let's go to The Guardian, and which is said, Man City, Sergio Aguero, has no need to apologise for car accident, says Pep Guardiola, so obviously, like that. So, Pat Guardiola believes Sergio Aguero should not apologize for fracturing a rib in a car accident and ruling himself out of Manchester City's trip to Chelsea, with the head coach saying, I'm not the police. So, if you don't know what happened, Aguero uh, went to a taxi. Um, the, the taxi driver was drunk, I believe. Um, Aguero told him, Sergio Aguero told him not to drive. He still drove, and yeah, Aguero ended up with a broken rib. He obviously got ruled out for the game to Chelsea, even though they won. So, they, they need him. 
Um, so yeah, if you think Aguero took any, uh, if you thought Guardiola would take any action, he didn't even take any action. So yeah, um, I don't think I've got to, to say a lot on this game. I I, I don't think I've got to say a lot to, about this news article. I mean, yeah, we know what happened. Um, so yeah, and I, we know what happened. We just just don't know when he's going to be out. There were people talking about two months out, uh, one month out. I'm not sure they haven't confirmed it yet. Um, but one month will be one month is for sure. Now it depends. Um, uh, one month depends. One month is for sure. Two months now, it's it's on the rail for two months or not. So, basically, yeah. I don't think I'm going to keep talking about the Aguero story. I think it. I got roach. I rage. I reached the climax now. I don't have anything more to say, basically. So, I'm going to be talking now. So, I'm going to have the topic. Uh, the United injury list. So, Paul Pogba, Froho, Ibrahimovic. So, those three... On the injury list, Paul Pogba, depending on what the coach is saying, has got. We're gonna miss him a bit. We're gonna miss him a bit. He's got uh, two months out for sure. We we know that. I think the co the coach hasn't said anything, but I think it's it's becoming a bit wary that two months is he's out for two months. Um, Ebro will return next month. Yay! I think if Ebro can push in. In in Pogba's place for now and try and get the ball forward and try and play and dribble. I know he didn't use that playing style at United, but if he can do that, it could be something positive for United that Pogba got injured. So when Pogba gets in again, they can push on with Mickey on the side, Matt on the left. Um. Sorry, Rafael on the left or Martial pushing on Pogba, Herrera or Ibra in the middle and a front Lukaku. I think that could be a sick team if he can implement Pog if he if Mourinho can implement Ibrahimovic to play in the middle until Pogba's better and even if he starts playing well in the middle, who knows? Could be a pretty sick t sick team when Ibra comes back in to the side. So. Ibra, again, out for a month. Stroho, um, he could miss the season. He could do the Luke Shaw. Um, which is sad because I like Rojo's playing stats. And it, it could be good with this current United team. I mean, he's our best uh, centre-back after Bay. So, yeah, I don't count Lindelof as the best. He could possibly be one in two years, three years' time. Could possibly be... Could possibly be Bay Rojo. It could be a 3-4-3. Like in the next few seasons. It could be a 3-4-3. Like uh, Bay, um, Bay Rojo and Lindelof. And it could be a brilliant back three as well. So possibly, possibly it could turn out to be a good team. So as we're coming to the conclusion of this topic. I'm saying that we got... Um, four more minutes to talk about. I'm going to talk about the City Chelsea game yesterday. Um, so, 
Chelsea didn't play well, I think. I think that they didn't... Yesterday, it was a car crash for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, too soon, I think, for the Aguero one. So, sorry. It was a disaster for them yesterday. I don't think they played... They played absolutely somewhere, which I'm not going to talk about. Um, yeah, um, I saw the goal. It was an amazing goal from De Bruyne. They kept until the 67th minute without scoring, and then they couldn't, they couldn't buy the goal, um, which is disappointing. Which they got two shots on target, and City got six. Possession was all over City's territory. Um, yeah, it 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 was it was embarrassing. I think I think that's the only word you can put it out for Chelsea losing at home to Manchester City. Puts them puts them down now. Um, I think we got to agree that City and United are now we can confirm it. They are title contenders. They're both on the same point. Goal average is one apiece. That you can't say they're not title contenders. They got a gap. They're already building a gap. Four points with Tottenham, and if Liverpool win, it will be four points as well. So if Liverpool lose today, what only one team will be at a four-point gap, and Chelsea will be at a five-point gap, and fifth place Watford will be at a six-point gap, or no, not six, seven-point gap already. Six-point gap with Chelsea. So. It's not, I don't think it's even one, two, three, four, five. There's a five point gap between City and United right now. So it's it's right right, it's City there's a five point gap, six point gap with Chelsea and seven point gap with Watford. An eight point gap with Liverpool if they lose, Arsenal would be a nine point gap. Boom. Just if Arsenal lose today, which is a big if not only Arsenal t- fan TV would be in a total crisis, they'll already be nine points off the leaders. So, could happen, could happen. But yeah, United City, we can't agree now, they are total contenders. I've got to say it, um, United have to work hard. They draw, I, The next game against the Scouts is going to be a big one. I think United have got to win it for sure if we don't win it. I think that could be the beginning of the end of the season, I think. Um, not even the draw is enough for me. I want to win. And if we win against Liverpool, then we've got to beat Tottenham at the end of the month. Um, beat Tottenham at the end of the month. And push on from there. That's our only motive. If we beat Tottenham, um, let me check out our fixture list and when we are going to be playing the big games. So it's not the big games are going to be coming... One after one because United have got like they played a whole month, two months without even facing um, a significant good team. So Liverpool next up, um, then under 28 Tottenham, uh, then Chelsea and Arsenal and City in December. So Chelsea in November, the only big game. Um, at the end of December, Arsenal on the second and. No, ninth will be City on Boxing Day. Will be faced Burnley. So, um, I don't. Yeah, there are like it is. It, it we got. To, I mean, the fixture list has really helped us this year. We got to agree. The fixture list sort of helped us this year. Um, then on January we've got Tottenham. 
Then on the on February 24th, we've got Chelsea, March, Liverpool, April, Man City, Arsenal. So, again, the fixture list is helping us because between the big games, we've got smaller games. So, yeah, it is helping us a bit. So, the away from Nations League, we're going to switch to that final topic and a half an hour will be reached. So, the away for Nations League for all the people saying, what is the way for Nations League? So, finally, not finally, I think this is the worst move Wafer could have done. There is going to be another tournament in the summer. So, yeah, another tournament in the summer. I mean, four tournaments now we have in the summer. So, first, let's start with the World Cup. Then, you got the, na- the, the Nations League. Then, you got the UEFA Euros, then you got the. So sorry, just I had to cut for a second. So then let me start again. First, you got the World Cup, um, Nations uh, World Cup. Uh, after that, you will have the Nations League, I believe. Then you'll have the Euros, then the Confederations Cup and the World Cup. So, I mean, it's man. Every year there's going to be something, but the Nations League isn't going to be... It's The Nations League is basically a Confederation Cup-style tournament. It's not going to be a tournament which lasts for a month. It's going to be so... You can say that the players will still have a summer. So, um, let's see how it's going to work. So, I, I know how it's going to work. I'm just going to explain to you guys. This is from the UEFA website, so I can't be wrong here. UEFA... Uh, 2018-19 UEFA Nations League, how does it work? The UEFA Nations League is a new competition that aims to ensure the continued success of national team football by replacing most friendlies with competitive matches and by allowing all national, all nations to play against equally ranked teams. So, for example, no more must Malta play against England, Italy, France, like that. My country will play against weaker teams of the same level, which we will still lose, as always. So... Uh, so the teams are so all 55 wafer associations out there so even small teams like Malta uh, the teams are split into four leagues A, B, C, D and now uh, this is just something if you're playing if you play football manager you know I already know how this style works even though it's not perfectly like this they will emulate it to be like it. League A will consist of the 12 top-ranked teams. So England, Italy, France and stuff and teams like that. I will, um, before we end before we end this, I'm going to say how right now it's looking to be. Because at the end of the week, we will be confirmed how the leagues will be. So yeah, stay tuned. At the end, I'm going to tell you how they're going to be. So... Uh, League A, so League A will consist of 12 top ranked teams, the next 12 teams will be in League B, the next 15 will be in League C, and the remaining 16 in League D. League A and B will compromise four groups of three teams, League C will contain one group of three three teams and three groups of four sides, League D will be uh, formed by four groups of four teams, so perfectly exactly like Football Manager put it out to be, sorry. Um... All draw procedures will to be confirmed. Matches to be played home and away between September and uh, November 2018. So next year, basically. This time next year. Uh, the four group winners of League A will qualify for the, ne- for the Nations League finals to be held in June 2019 with the two semi-finals and the third place match 
and the final. So basically, a big tournament at the end. Um, yeah, and the group winners of B, C, and D will will gain promotion, and those who finish bottom of groups of the groups in League A, League B, and League C will be relegated. So yeah, that is how the Nations League works. So. If if Malta if they want to expect to one day be in a Nations Cup semi final and final, they got to keep wishing. The thing they got to do Malta to get some significance with this tournament, they got to get so they got to get top of the group and then reach their way to a Euro playoff and then get battered in the final. Unless a miracle happens, which never never happens with our country. Um, if a miracle does happen and they get to a Euro, it will be the best thing that ever happened to us. So yeah, yeah. Then after all the finalists, we will know happens. Qualifying group stage, twenty teams qualify. The teams will be sl split into ten groups of five or six, and the top two of each group will qualify for the final tournament, determining the first twenty places. So this is the, the way for Euro qualifying uh, from this tournament. So. Um, but then that's the group stage. The group stage. Um, a lot of all Europe places will be won through European qualifying, uh, which will be contested by the. So basically, um, this is how it's gonna work. So, ten groups of six or five or six. Uh, two of the top two groups will qualify for the final tournament, determining the first final twenty places. And there's the playoffs. Um, yeah, contested by the sixteen. Wafer Nations League group winners. So, basically, guys, listen to this. If Malta top their group, they will be in the playoffs for the Euros. Each league will have a part of its own, and each part will feature two leg, two single leg semi-finals and one single leg final. The winner of each part will win a ticket. Um, so yeah, Malta basically. This is so. This is embarrassing. So, Malta will have to do this: top the group, which is impossible. Yeah, I just said it. Impossible. Top the group, then, um, after that, they will have to. So, top the group. Then we got to go in to a two-legged semi-final, which will get battered. If depending on what team we get, and one single leg final. So basically, there could be a France, Italy, Spain, or Germany in that team, and we've got to get the final. Imagine Malta vs Germany. Who gets to the Euro final? Wow, that will be a game for the ages. <coughs> I'm I'm actually laughing for that. Um. Yeah, I think uh, that's going to be all I think I'm going to say about this. Um, we've still got a year away from this. As it stands, I'm not going to get hyped for it, uh, for my country, England. I'm not going to need the Nations League. They can't qualify with European qualifiers. They'll destroy the groups and they're basically there. Um, the final's going to the UEFA Nations League final as a tournament, not that final that I said, more to Germany, blah blah blah. Uh, we'll be in the June, uh, June and July, uh, no, June, in June of 
Um, in June of 2019, so two years away. So, yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> two years away. I think that's gonna be my all. I have said everything on this group, uh, on this tournament. In my case, it could be not for our country, but for countries that are trying to push on, maybe try to get European qualification. This could be a step for them to get that European qualification. So, I can't rule out everything. Malta could get extremely lucky and get a place, but obviously it's impossible. But, I mean, yeah, it is a possibility, and I think as it works out, it is a great way that UEFA are trying to do it for other countries. And even for the lower countries, like our country, it could be a step, a step forward. If we get a good team one day, it is possible. So, if you enjoyed the third installment of my podcast, um, obviously, uh, leave it a like on YouTube and SoundCloud, or on the heart on SoundCloud, I don't know what name it is. And on um, iTunes, could you please leave reviews? I saw a review last time. It really helped me to improve my podcast. Uh, better sound could be a possibility that I could buy, by the way. So, we're going to end it here, guys. If you did, leave it a like, uh, comment uh, on YouTube, like and comment, uh, comment on SoundCloud and like on SoundCloud as well. And even uh, rate my podcast on iTunes. So, um, guys, subscribe to my YouTube channel and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Yeah, but guys, hope you enjoy the rest of, the, the rest of your weekend. And yeah, Stay tuned for next week's podcast, which hopefully we will be talking about uh, the the qualification for the World Cup. So yeah, guys, see you later. Bye.